Hey everyone, welcome back to another Plugged In episode on the CPC Podcast. This Plugged In episode is brought to you by Gravity Student Ministries, the youth ministries of Centerpoint Pentecostal Church. We pray that this episode blesses you and challenges you and gives you the answers that you have been looking for for quite some time. I know that this message is going to be anointed and we know that it's going to bless you. So without any further ado, let's get into today's Plugged In episode. All right, got your Bibles. We're going to be reading in the book of Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. I want to take this opportunity to give honor to Brother Brennan and Brother David for allowing me the opportunity to get up here and minister to you guys. Definitely don't take it lightly. Everybody say amen when you get there. Chapter 25, verse 34 of the book of Matthew. All right, so it's a pretty lengthy scripture. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's group number one. For I was a hunger and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in, naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, and in so much as a way you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, group number two, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not unto one of the least of these, ye did it not unto me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. And the title of my message tonight is, Your Destiny is Determined by Your Decisions. Amen. Very good. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, Your destiny is determined by your decisions. Praise God, and you may be seated. You may be seated. You see, in this passage of Scripture that we just read, you have two different groups of people that made two very different life choices, two very different um, decisions they made throughout. They had to come to terms with the decisions of how they were going to live their life. And you see, you have two different groups of people that each end up in different outcomes. They each end up in different destinies of life. And a uh, a few scriptures um, before the ones we read in the book of Matthew talk about when Jesus is going to return and how all nations are going to stand before him. And it'll be as a shepherd and they're sorting through his flock. The sheep move to one side, the goats move to another. We'll be filtered as a group based on the life choices and the decisions that we make today. We'll be in the group destined for heaven or the one that's destined for hell. I believe these scriptures will soon be fulfilled and we have to be ready at all times, gravity. You see, your decisions matter. The ones you make today matter. The ones you make tomorrow matter. I read an article recently from a bishop of a church and he said one of the most powerful things we have, God, is the power of free will. We have the ability to make our own choices, our own decisions. We're in a place of freedom. 
And when I think of freedom, I often think of America, known as the land of the free. But then I also think of how many laws and how many constitutions and how many amendments and articles that we have that literally govern our freedom. The rules in school, rules at the workplace, policies, procedures that govern this. And I promise you, I'm not giving y'all a history lesson. I'm going somewhere. See, in Louisiana alone, we have 3,556 laws. 3,556 in just Louisiana. Think of what America would be like if there were no police, no laws, no rights. You had no rules at school. There were no policies and procedures at work. What would actually happen? There's a reason those things were made. Because ultimately, we wouldn't be able to stand. Your school would probably be burnt down, just to be honest. The world would be half burnt down. The economy would be crashed. Yeah, so it would be a totally different place than we know it as today. You see, it would be reckless, overran with crime, filthy. Most likely it would destroy itself because freedom is such a blessing in itself. But unlimited freedom ultimately leads to a curse that leads to destruction. You see, the United States and almost every other country in the world understood that they wouldn't be able to stand if they didn't implement laws and give direction and counsel to the people in the country. Of, um, but see, God, long before the government, understood this too. And that's why he implemented those Ten Commandments. That's why we have those scriptures and we have what's written in the Bible that says what you can do, what you can't do. It's black and white as to what we can do because he knew that he had to outline what was right and what is wrong. And see, if you want to be able to stand, if you don't want to be defeated, then you're going to have to take what God provided to you and live by it. This is what he provided for each and every one of us, the word of God. It outlines what you can and can't do. Just like you know the rules at school, here's the rules to live for God. He has given you people who care about you. He has given you a youth group. He has given you a youth staff team who teach and preach the truth. But most importantly, he has given you the word. He has given it to you. The choice is yours. If you're going to live by it, he's given you what you need to know the truth, to learn the truth, to inherit salvation. He's given you all of that. It's up to you if you're going to pick it up and you're going to use it and you're going to walk with it. You see, the laws and the government, they implemented these laws to protect our physical bodies, our properties, the economy. But you see, God set forth laws in a different reason. It was to protect your souls, to protect your mind, to protect your family, your ministries and your callings. You see, as the United States citizens, we're governed by these laws, but we must make decisions on every day on whether to obey or take a risk or a chance of getting caught. You know, when we speed, or most of y'all don't drive, but when I speed, because I speed all the time, or when I get in the vehicle and I don't put on my seatbelt because I never wear my seatbelt, I know it's against the law. I know that there's a chance that I'm going to get caught and I'm going to face the consequences of that. I know it's wrong. You know, the government and everybody puts... These big billboards up, click it or ticket, don't drink and drive, all these things. They publicize everything, all the laws, the things that we can't do. And then ultimately we have to decide. And you see, God may have not have provided the flyers, the street signs, the commercials as to what's wrong in his eyes, what's a sin, what's not acceptable. But he did provide us with the Bible. Again, it outlines exactly what we're supposed to do every day as Christians, how we're supposed to walk, how we're supposed to talk, how we're supposed to be a witness, how we're supposed to be a light unto the world and the things we're supposed to stay away from. 
You see, we have a decision to make. Ultimately, we have free will when it comes to following the commandments of God. We can choose whether to obey them or not to obey them. The difference in God and the world is that with the world, your government, people that you call your friends or people at school or you may get away with breaking laws or breaking school policies and stuff. You may, yeah. like me, I go down the road, don't wear a seatbelt all the time. 11 years of driving and I've never gotten a seatbelt ticket. So I've gotten away thousands of times. We can get away with things when we're around people. You may do something and your youth pastor may never find out. Your parents may never find out. You may choose to do something or entertain something and nobody may never know. You may get away with it. I've gotten away with a lot of stuff in my lifetime. But one thing I can tell you is that God sees all. God knows all. So you can get away with it at school. You can get away with it at home. But ultimately, ultimately there are things that you are not going to get away with with God. He sees everything you say, every action you do, every, everything that you're thinking in your mind. He sees all. We may get away with it and never get caught. But God knows all. So quick question. Does anyone know what the worst sentence that the justice system can give for committing a crime? Death penalty. penalty. Very good. So that is the worst sentence that they can give. But one day we're all going to face an eternal sentence. And ultimately, that's the worst that man can give. But one day we're going to stand before and receive an eternal sentence. And we're going to be sorted through and judged. Are we going to be on the right hand, right hand or left hand? Right. Are we going to be as the sheep or as the goat? And look, I don't say any of this to scare any of y'all or instill fear in any of you guys because I love each and every one of you and I love you enough to share the truth. And this is the truth. You are at the age of accountability, meaning your decisions, not anybody else's. Your decisions matter. Well, you're held accountable for the decisions you make, every one of them. And we all make mistakes. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect because you're not. But we do have to strive every day to make the right decisions. You know, we all face things daily, some physical, some spiritual. But all of them are going to lead us in one direction or another. I believe that everyone is going to serve something in life. Everybody is going to serve something in life. You're going to be passionate about something. And whatever you're passionate about, that's where you're going to put all your attention. That's where you're going to put all of your concern. And whether you want to or not, you're going to serve something. But the danger at your age of not choosing now what you're going to serve is that if you don't get your mind set on what you're going to serve, the world is going to choose it for you. If you don't choose it now, the world will choose it for you. You know, I think of sin and how so many people in the world choose to serve the world and the things of the world. Alcohol, gambling, adultery, stealing. And that's only the name of you. And how in the moment it seems so fun. And I can say that because I lived in the world. I came from the world. But you see, I didn't say it was fun. I said it seemed fun because it really is not fun. You know, I'm going to give an example that came to me while I was studying. And I'm a fisherman, so I like it. So the rest of you guys that fish will like it too. So you think of a fish that's in the water, right? And you throw a bait out there. And to the fish, that bait looks good. It looks appetizing. It's going to fulfill what he wants. It's his desire. It comes by. He don't see the hook on it. And he don't see the string that's attached to the person that has the fishing pole. So what does he do? He takes it. He bites it. Instantly, he knows, okay, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I thought it was. I thought it was something, but it's not what I thought it was. He tries to let go. It's too late. It's too late. So he was the predator and they were the prey. 
ultimately now he soon realizes they're the predator and now he's the prey and he's no longer in control when he was in control. So he's at the hands and the wheels of the fishermen and wherever they say he's going to go is where he's going to go. So some things may look appealing and appetizing and they may feel desire or fulfill the desires of this thing called flesh, but it's not always what it looks like. It's not always what the world and the people you see make it look like either. Out there in the world, you'll look at them and they look like they're having a blast and you're like, they look like they're doing everything and they're bragging about it and doing A, B, C, Y, and D. But I tell you, it's not what it looks like. Not nearly what it looks like. You see, you think you're having the time of your life and you're in control of everything and you have the most friends, you're doing the coolest things and then you get to a place in your life where the things that you thought were enjoyable are now causing you to live your most miserable life. And then you try to stop and pull away from these things, but by that time it's too late, and you realize that that you're no longer in control of the things that you thought you were, and now you're living in misery, shame, regret, depression. You know, you think of backsliders. A lot of times backsliders don't come to the church because they're currently living in the state of that depression, that shame, that guilt of what they're going through. And you see, a lot of times you do something... And you realize, okay, that conviction sets in, that light bulb kicks on, or you're convicted and all of a sudden you're like, okay, this ain't what I wanted it to be. And now I realize I'm in a little too far and you try to leave and you can't because you're no longer in control. And you see, sin starts off small and sometimes it may feel fun, but that's a trick of the enemy because he's steady going to feed it to you. While you're being tempted, he's steady going to say, look, it's fun. Look, they're doing it. Look at what's going on here. Look at what it can benefit you of. But it's steadily a trick of the enemy. But the more we participate in sin, the larger it gets. And because we are so deceived playing in it, oftentimes we don't realize that every time we entertain sin, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it has a piece of our control. The devil's goal is to control your life and bound you with the decisions that you make. So you see... Most people are tempted by their friends. They, they do it to blend in. They, they try, you know, well, look, I'm just going to do this for a little while. I'm young. I'm just, I'm just going to try this sin. I just want to dabble in it a little bit. I just, I don't really want to invest in it, but just a little bit. And then a little bit later, I, you know, I have my whole life. I can get right then. Let me just try a little bit of this alcohol. Let me just try this little bit of this cigarette. Let me just do something on my cell phone for once and try. Let me just do a few of these different things. But the problem with that is, is while you're entertaining it and your intention is just to try it or your intention is just to be cool. The problem with that is, is you don't realize that it's steadily growing. And then when you realize that conviction sets in or that light bulb kicks on and you're like, okay, this ain't what I thought it was. Or the circumstances start to get bad and you're like, okay, I definitely want out. It's too big. You no longer have control over it. In the beginning, you were the boss of the sin. You control when and where. But it doesn't take very long until you realize that actually the sin is in control of you. And that's the problem. And that's what we have to be so careful for. The decisions we make matter. I'm not saying anyone in here is living a life full of sin. But I am saying we have to all stay vigilant, use wisdom, and be watchful. Because it only takes a few bad decisions to change their trajectory of your destiny. You can be going 100 miles an hour, serving God, living for God, doing everything right. And you make a few bad decisions. And before you know it, you're walking this way. And then you look back. You're so, so far from where you were. And you have to make all the lead way to catch up. 
And then when you finally get there, then you have to push forward. But think about where you would have been if you would have never stopped. If you would have never turned around, where would you have been then? And you may be saying, well, that will only ever happen to me. And I'm here to say this. It's great to have a made up mind. There's power in a made up mind. But also don't be prideful. Because let me tell you what happens with that. I'm going to pick on you, Caleb. That's all right? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> all right. So Caleb is the one that's prideful. Caleb has that spirit of pride. It's never going to happen to him. He don't have to worry about anything. Then I'm going to pick on Bethany. That's all right with you, Bethany? Bethany does a, makes a few bad decisions. Bethany comes to church. She needs help. She's trying to come get what she needs from God. She's trying to get her life back right. Caleb's first instinct in that is going to be, well, she shouldn't have done that. It was her fault. She did that. She did that to herself. And automatically it's a judgmental spirit. Instead, humble ourselves and say that we're all sinners saved by grace. And that at any time, any one of us could waver. Any one of us could fall. Any one of us could go astray and say, God, guard my heart. God, guard my mind. And help me to help those who need help or who waver. So will you be prideful or be the humble person, the one that uplifts or the one that condemns? You see, this world is filled with decisions, and whether you want to or not, you're going to have to pick a side. Did you know that the average person makes 35,000 decisions a day? I thought that that was crazy, so I did a ton of research and looked at a bunch of universities and trials, and it it actually is 35,122 informed decisions. What do I wear today? How should I fix my hair? How, what should I eat for lunch? Should I put guys an hour later? Should I purchase that an hour later? Should I attend that event? Should I pray for that person? Should I go to church? Should I go on that date? Should I go there even though I know it's wrong? Are just a few of the decisions that you have to make. Ultimately, every time I open my mouth, that's a decision I'm making to speak. Right. Every time I move my hands, it's a decision I'm making. There are thousands and thousands that we're faced with every day. And studies show that Almost all decisions made lead to another decision. Studies also show that if you make a good decision, you're most likely your next decision is going to be a positive decision. But studies also show that if you make a bad decision, you're most likely to have another or make another bad decision. I think of David in the Bible and how he committed adultery with Bathsheba, the first decision. A little bit later, he has to try to cover it up, smooth things over. So what does he do? Makes a second decision to keep. Well, Bathsheba gets pregnant, so that's a result of the first decision. Then he has to try to smooth it over and cover things up. So that's his second decision. So what he's literally doing is covering a lie with a lie. It's pretty much the same concept of it. He's covering one bad decision with another bad decision. And you see, Bathsheba's husband that David had murdered wasn't even involved in David's decision. David didn't even, Bathsheba's husband didn't even make that decision. That was David and Bathsheba, but he was still involved. That, that decision still affected him. So that's why it's important that you understand that your decisions don't just affect you. They affect the people around you. They affect your family, your friends. You see, my decisions affect my wife. They affected my uh, mom and dad when I lived at their house. They're affecting, as a manager, they affect my employees. As a youth staff leader, they affect you guys. There are a lot of decisions I made, and I knew the consequences of the decisions that I made. But you see, when I made those decisions, hurting somebody else wasn't on my radar. It affecting somebody else was not my intention. 
But see, whenever you're dealing with stuff like that, of course you're not going to think of that. Of right. course, the, you know, the devil's going to keep that in the corner. Oh, yeah. But then ultimately, you go through the, these things and you do these things and then you realize, hey, I am affecting them. I am affecting my wife. I am affecting my kids. I am affecting my youth group. I am affecting everybody else. And then you're like, well, that was not my intent. That's not what I wanted to do. But because of your decisions, you're ultimately hurting your family. You're hurting your ministry. You're hurting. If you make these decisions and these consequences, they're going to affect every part of your life. They're going to affect your family, your friends, your youth group, your ministry, your walk with God. They affect so many of these things. So many of these things. And I'm not here to preach that every one of us has to make the right decision 100% of the time because that's never going to happen. We all make mistakes. We all regret decisions that we've made and we all fall short. Uh-huh. Romans chapter 3 and 23 say, for we all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Right. We all have made wrong decisions. And the reality is we'll continue to make bad decisions from time to time. But I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter. Hear what Brother Chris is saying right here. It doesn't matter if you find yourself in a bad situation because you're going to find yourself there because you're going to make bad decisions. Right. What matters is what you do whenever you realize I made a bad decision. Are you going to lace up your boots and you're going to fight your way through? Are you going to pray your way through it, fast your way through it, worship your way through it? Or are you going to sit in the pity party and continue to make bad decisions? You have to go one way or another. Sometimes we can't change a decision. The past lives in the past as it should. But we can learn from the decisions that we make. And we can also help those who have made the same decisions. You know, sometimes I look back at my life and I'm like, Lord, why did I go through that trial? Why did I go through that circumstance? Why did that happen to me? Or why did I even make that decision? But then sometimes I remember if one day one of you guys, a stranger, somebody at work comes to me and says, look, Brother Chris, I'm dealing with terrible anxiety. And I've dealt with terrible anxiety, so I can relate. But somebody says, look, I'm dealing with it. I can't go with it anymore. It's terrible. It's eating me alive. Then guess what? I can use what I've experienced to help that person. It's not in vain because the glory is going to God and it's helping that person. Amen. Jesus. Yes. Thank you. So good. And I'll say this. Sometimes making the right decision can lead to an uncomfortable thoughts in our own mind. You see, I had to make the decision to get up here tonight and speak to you all. And this just makes me uncomfortable if I'm being honest. (laughs) But I had to make the decision and ask myself, will you answer the call of God? You feel it on your life. It's been prophesied several times. You see the connection you have with the youth. Are you going to do something with it? Are you going to accept it? Or are you not? And it's a decision that I had to make. Am I uncomfortable? Yes. But I also have to realize that being in the will of God is not always going to be comfortable for us. I think of Daniel in the lion's den. He made the right decision. He continued to serve God. He continued to worship God. But he found himself in an an uncomfortable place. So did he do the right thing? Yes. If we were in that situation, we'd be questioning God. We'd be lonely. We'd be afraid. But we ultimately made the right decision by continuing to serve God. You see, it can be a lonely place making the decisions to live and serve God. Because when we leave these four walls on Sundays and Wednesdays, we enter into a big world. A world that's filled with wickedness, evilness, hatred, people that persecute us, and so many other things. But we have to remember it's lonely because we are the children of God in a big old world. But the beauty of it all is that big old world is not in us. 
It is not in the children of God. We are different. And gravity, you have something so precious to hold on to. You have each other. You have the truth. You have youth leaders and pastors that preach the truth. You have God and you know what's right. Nobody said it would be easy, but it will be worth it. Anything worth having is worth fighting for. This youth group, it's worth fighting for. The word of God, it's worth fighting for. Salvation. Salvation, it's worth fighting for. So you have to put on the armor of God and start fighting. Start fighting with everything that you have. Because it's worth fighting for. If you look at its tombstone, you'll see the date somebody was born and the date that they died. And in the middle, there's a little dash. And you see that dash reflects what some, the decision somebody made, how they lived their life, their memories. When somebody dies, nobody really talks about their birthday. Nobody really talks about the day they died. They talked about how they made them feel, what their memories were, how they lived their life, the decisions they made throughout their life. And you see, same will it be on judgment day. God's going to look at the dash. He's going to look at what represents what you did when you were here after your birth, but before your death is what matters. And he's going to judge every one of us according to those works. And my question is, what will he see when he looks at you? Will he see someone who showed compassion, mercy, and a love to others? Someone who came to church every time there was an opportunity to be here? Will he see someone who helps someone else that the world was ready to write off? Will he see someone who chose to read their Bibles instead of playing on the phone? Will he see someone who gave themselves daily in prayer, daily in fasting? Will he see someone who strove to make the right decisions every day, even though they know, knew that they were not perfect and they were going to make mistakes? There's five things I want to talk to you about, and these things work for me. Because you may be asking, well, look, I, you know, I'm not way out there. I'm not doing all these bad things, but I think I'm making the right decisions. But I really want to know that the decisions I'm making are in the will of God. I really want to know how I can know I'm making the right decisions or strive to make the right decisions. There's five things I'm going to talk about that really have helped me. I do these. I live by these. They've helped me tremendously since I started coming to church. The first is pray. This, that's a must. It's a given. There's no choice to live for God. You have to pray. You know, I tell people all the time, once they get the Holy Ghost, I say, you got to get a prayer life. Because if you don't get a prayer life, it's only a matter of time. Before you're just no longer here. And it's the honest truth. You have to have a prayer life. The second is fasting. And this one isn't easy. But push yourself to do it anyway. There's something about fasting. Some things only come by prayer and fasting. You have to dedicate the time to fast. Last, uh, not lastly. Thirdly, worship. Yes. I believe worship is equally as important as prayer. Yes. I don't think it's above prayer. But I think they go side by side. And here's why. I'll tell you a quick story. Heather and I pray together every night. We were at our old house. I had just got into church. And I tell you, I was fighting a few things. Praying, praying, praying. Nothing would really give. So I told Heather, I said, turn the music up loud. I just feel like we're going to worship. We're not going to pray. We're just going to worship God. The dynamic in that room shifted. The spirit failed. We had a powerful move of God. And I tell you, I have never battled what I was battling since that day. And it's been three years. saying that prayer didn't help what i'm saying is worship is what helped me overcome and have victory over that battle so if you've been praying try worshiping and one thing i'm going to tell you is those three things i just talked about you can't 
pray and neglect fasting and worship. And you can't fast and neglect. They all three have to be in harmony. You have to take all three and do all three of them together. Because you can't neglect the other two and say, I'm just going to pick one and I'm going to live by that one. You can't live by it alone. You have to have all three in harmony and sequence. The fourth one is strive. Strive to be the best child of God you can be. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall. You're going to sin. It is the nature of where we are. However, we can strive every day. Nobody said you had to be perfect or you're going to be perfect because you're not. But you can strive to be perfect. And the last one is resist. Resist the temptations that come your way. Resist the things that you know aren't right. I wish I could tell you there was something we could do that would take away all the temptation. Take away all of the pressures we feel. But there's not. There's nothing we can do that's going to take that away from us. But what I can say is even Jesus had to resist three times. Keep resisting. It may not be easy. Your flesh may get in the way. Your own desires may get in the way. But if you know it's not right, if it doesn't match what this book says, resist it. Turn away from it. Fight it off through prayer, fasting, and worship. Those are the five things telling you. Pray, fast, worship, strive, and resist. It matters if you pray. It matters if you fast. It matters that you worship. It matters. You may say, well, they're looking at me when I cry in the altars. They're looking at me when I worship. They're looking at me. Well, I'm going to leave you with two things on that note. The second is the most important. But the first one is, if you feel that way, if you feel that you can't get out of your pew because of that, come get me. Come get one of them. We're going to do it with you. If they're going to look at us, they're going to look at all of us. second one is don't let somebody else's decision somebody don't let somebody else dictate your decision because you're accountable for your decision you may say well they made me feel that way that's why i didn't do it ultimately you're still held accountable don't let them dictate that don't let them take control over that because they're not going to answer for it at the end of the day yeah and i'm closing you can all stand So raise your hands if you want heaven to be your destiny. Heaven to be the place you go after you pass away or the rapture. Hopefully that's everybody. Do you think heaven is worth fighting for? Yes. A a person will fight for what they believe in and what they're passionate about. You hear preachers say it all the time. The Holy Ghost is free. Baptism is free. Salvation is free. And all of that's right. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to fight for it. But what I say is... It's what comes after that. It's what comes after salvation, after baptism, after Acts 2.38 is fulfilled that you have to fight for. Because the devil is not going to sit on the sidelines while you try to live for God and make the right decisions. He's not going to do it. We are going to have to fight our way through this life. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. Fight your flesh. Fight your mind. Fight the devil. Fight the fears, the depression, the anxiety, and the shame that you may feel. Fight for what you want. Fight for your family. Fight for your friends. Fight and push because heaven is not that far away. You see, a person can't lose if he or she doesn't give up. You know, you think of a boxing match. You have two people in the ring. One hits one, the other one falls. He looks at the crowd, lifts his hands. He thinks he's won. He got the victory. But if he turns around and that person gets back up, the fight's not over. So as long as you get back up, the fight is not over. You see, guys, I, pastor tells me this all the time, and I love it. 
but it's so true. We would fight hell with a water gun for each and every one of you in this room because you are worth it. Your decisions do not define you. The way others see you do not define you. You are a child of God. Ultimately, like I said, it's not that you find yourself in those situations. That doesn't define you. What defines you is what do you do when you're in, when you recognize I'm in that bad situation. That's what's going to define you. And I'll say this before we get ready to close and have an altar call. Don't beat yourself up when you make a mistake. Dust yourself off. Get back up. The Bible says that though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Don't ever feel as if you're in this alone. We all make mistakes. If you ever need to talk about anything, we are open ears. This youth staff, think of us as another tool in your toolbox that God has given you as a support system through this life. Don't ever think that we're too busy or that we're grown and we can't talk to you. On behalf of Gravity Student Ministries, thank you so much for checking out today's Plugged In episode. If you're ever in the Centerpoint, Louisiana area and you want to come check out one of our services in person, we have them every Wednesday night, 7.05 p.m. in the Upstairs Youth Sanctuary at Centerpoint Pentecostal Church. We would love to have you be a part of us. In the meantime, though, hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll see you on the next Plugged In episode. See you later.